a lot has changed in the last few years. The wizard gave me superpowers. Shazam! And then everybody got superpowers. Started from the bottom, now we're here. All right, here's the situation. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. The daughters of Atlas are coming to hunt us. Children stole the power of the gods. Shazam! You ripped it from our father's core. Okay, I feel like maybe I should be writing all this down. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. It's the possibly anticipated movie sequel to the biggest hit of 2018, featuring Zachary Levi. Talking Shazam 2. Fury of the Gods, and what this means in the Warner Brothers DC Extended Universe. universe. I'm your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by Kent Garrison. Kent, how are you today? Excellent, man. Ready to talk some Shazam. Shazam. You gotta you gotta yell it when you say it. <laughs> gotta yell it. So, uh, I said 2018, I meant 2019. I apologize. I will write a notarized letter to all of Shazam- Shazamdom, and uh, apologize for for the mistakes I've made. Uh, if you heard that voice, you know that's not Richard Barton. No, he's banned. He's banned. Uh, we hope the FCC will let him back in next week, but we'll see. He said some pretty inflammatory things uh, <laughs> once again, but you know, and he lives. And they don't monitor age. podcasts. Yeah. In, except in extreme, yeah. extreme cases. Yeah. I guess that's qualified. L- look, and we, we should be clear. We stand in support of the suspension. Um, the FCC was right in this case, unfortunately. Um, but we hope we're going to... Richard's in therapy right now, and uh, he's going to be better. Rehab. Be better. Re- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's both. Rehabilitation. It's a, little, it's a little John Moran <laughs> situation. Um, anyway, we don't have Richard Barton with us, but the even better news, that's the good news. The even better news is... <laughs> We have we have Batman Shane standing in his place. Shane, how's it going, dude? It's good. It's good. Yeah, I feel like I do have to be introduced this time through since I, I don't quite exactly sound like it myself. I apologize to the listeners. I'm a little bit under the weather, so mm-hmm. my voice yeah. sounds a little bit weirder than usual. Yeah. But uh, but good to be here as always. Thank you guys for having me. Excited to talk some Shazam and DC in general. This is a movie, guys. Uh, this is a movie, <laughs> and it came out in theaters, I think despite the Zaz's best efforts to not ever put out a movie. Uh, this movie came out and it has sparked. I don't know if controversy is the right word. There have been, a, there's been quite a lot of digital ink spilled um, regarding this movie from both the general public and the cast and crew director, etc., of said movie. And we do all, we always talk about the business of this sort of thing. So I feel like we, maybe we, we get that out right off the top. Give me, I'm going to go to you first, Kent. You know what? Let's do this. Let's, let's, let's just do very basic general thoughts. Did you like the movie? Did you not like the movie? Do you understand the criticisms, et cetera? And then let's talk the business of it. And then we can get into some specifics about the movie. Kent, you first. General thoughts on Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Yeah, actually really enjoyed Shazam. Thought it was one of the more fun DC movies that had come out. Then the pandemic happens like two months later, and I think all plans kind of changed around for what they wanted to do, how they wanted to approach things. This is a really interesting case because of the way the past six months have transpired. 
with Warner Brothers, with DC, the changing of the guard, the bringing in of James Gunn, the Black Adam release, the Black Adam failure, the lead up to this, the failure of this. It's been a really interesting time on the movie business side of things. Uh, so I've been following this story for quite a while. I was mm -hmm. interested to see how this movie would do. Didn't think it would do great because Shazam didn't do great. So to me, anyone that thought this movie was going to make more than Shazam is crazy. I never thought that that would be like, we're bringing in Helen Mirren, guys. That's a hundred more million dollars. You know what? So I don't understand the mentality of like, oh, just wait till the next one. This is when it's really going to get back on track. And I mean, the movie itself, general thoughts, is fine. Mm -hmm. It's a fine movie. But it reminded me, the discourse around it, around the weekend, especially today, which we'll get into some of the stuff that that broke this morning, I'm sure, regarding Rock the Dwayne Johnson's involvement in this. But it reminded me of Quantumania, where it's like, mm -hmm. really? This is the movie we're piling on, guys? This movie's mm -hmm. perfectly harmless, just a movie, pr pretty fun, funny, good cast, charismatic lead. Uh, yeah, sure, it's cliche, but all these comic book movies are. Are we finally starting to realize that they're cliched now as a mass audience? Like, maybe that's the case. There's a lot of circumstances, I think, that could have affected the performance of this movie at the box office. I'm excited to talk about that with you guys. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Shane, what about you, man? So, first off, I want to get a couple facts straight, Kent. Uh, the, the Black Adam movie was a huge financial success. Let me just check my notes here on the source. That would be from... <laughs> you're you're only the following The Rock on social yeah, media. Yeah, it's, it's The Rock That's on Twitter. That's my only news source, source yeah. there. $100 billion plus franchise on that one. No. Um, yeah, I mean, so who would have thought, like, randomly, if we would have had this conversation last year that, that Shazam 2 would be the most controversial film to date of 2023? <laughs> what a weird notion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, looking forward to kind of getting into that with you guys, because I Obviously, yeah. I mean, let's just let's get the elephant out of the room. This movie severely underperformed at the box office, um, you know, which is a disappointment to everybody all involved. Um, generally speaking, I w thought the first Shazam was fine. I thought it was kind of like a B, maybe a B plus if you caught me on a good day type movie. I, I thought it was fine. So when I went into this movie, my bar was pretty low. And I got to say, I was delightfully surprised at how much I enjoyed this movie much more than the first one. Um, and you know, and there were certain things about it that I really enjoyed. So I think maybe just because I went in with such a low bar, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, and yeah. you know, I, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more, but yeah, I, I'm going to give it a positive grade, not to bury the lead too much. I think it's a little lesser than I like, I'm, I'm with you can't like, I like the first one. Um, fine. I, I'm aware that probably one of the reasons why I dug it versus some of the other DC movies is that it feels more like a Marvel movie than, a, than what we have it has been. a color palette you mean yeah yeah there's a joke you know um right a joke that yeah. is not that anyway um yeah it it, it feels more so that's probably going to be more my, my bag um i think that it's it, uh it fits that point it, it's it's fine this is like i would say is like slightly lesser than the first one but the same level of like it's fun it's it's dumb fun i also thought of ant-man it it was uh, Quantumania. It for, for both, both in terms of like the general vibe. Obviously, those are very different movies from a like a structural standpoint. Ant Man 
at least attempts to be really weird in places. This doesn't at all really, you know, that kind of thing. But just in in terms of like a general, this was a fine time at the theater. They're they're both pretty similar movies. And then also the same thing of like, I'm watching the movie and I'm like, I don't, I mean, <laughs> there's been some really terrible movies in the DC Extended Universe and I don't really know why we've decided that we're going to pick on this one. It's it's kind of a, a strange place to be. But again, I like, you know, I... I'm a simple, basic man, and I, I like this vibe a lot better than I like most of what the Snyderverse has been. All of what, let's be real, all of what the Snyderverse has been. And if that makes me basic, that makes me basic. But uh, I thought it was fine. I thought I, I, it was a good time. I took Coop, and we we enjoyed the uh, the experience overall. There's definitely some things that you can be critical of, um, and we'll we'll get into those things as as we go. But I would say for me, like the quality of the movie has less to do with the reception than everything around it, Shane. Like all the discourse is, I I would say this, let me put it this way. At its worst, I think this is like harmlessly mediocre (laughs) and that should generally not result in a relatively poor reception at the box office, a poor or relatively poor Rotten Tomato score. And then just like generally bad vibes with, um, with, with the culture and, and, uh, within the, the discourse and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, for obviously sure. there are many other reasons why <laughs> it is that way. So I don't know, Shane, you want to, you want to well, get started in the, the business side of this? Yeah. I mean, look, here's, here's, the, I think the first question that we need to discuss that's going to kind of branch out to all the other questions that we're going to hit is by and large, now that Marvel has had a movie that, that critically was not well received and it underperformed. And now DC has had a movie that was critically not well received and it underperformed. And I think that by and large, people are starting, general audiences are starting to get superhero fatigue. Are you guys getting that vibe as well? Yeah. Sure. Um, if I'm being honest, I think it has more, a little bit more to do with the Ant Man reception than it does with this, given that these DC movies have done so much worse. Really, both at the box office and critically over the last decade than than the Marvel movies have. But I I agree with the 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 principle of that. Of I don't think you can any longer like for example, I'm getting ready to do movie draft in a week or two, um, and getting that ready for the VIPs and stuff. And Marvel movies for sure, and then a step or two down the ladder, DC movies have always. And this is a maybe a very stupid metric to look at or or, or lens to look at this through those always have been very safe movies to draft for the most part. Um, because there's like almost like a, there's like a baseline of what it's going to do box office wise and rotten tomatoes wise. And that is no longer the case. And I think that that does illustrate that there is real superhero fatigue. And if you, I think you can make the case that movies like Creed three doing really well, having the best open of, of any of the Creed movies of even like cocaine bear doing really well and taking a chunk out of Ant-Man's second week or whatever it was mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick being the huge, you know, the second biggest movie of the year last year, et cetera, et cetera. I think that there's enough evidence to suggest that, uh, you know, the biggest of the big, like ba- the Batman did great last year. Um, Wakanda Forever 
did really, really, really well, but still was a little bit under, I think, what they probably expected it would be. But the point is, um, yeah, I think I think it's not quite as as safe of a money making um, operation as it was pre pandemic and pre uh, I don't know Avengers, let's say um, of of uh, uh, the the final uh, Avengers movie Endgame. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Because the thing is, both of these these movies are similar in the sense that both Shazam and Ant-Man were characters that, by and large, people did not know their names five years ago. And both of these movies are mediocre in the sense that none of them were trying to reinvent the wheel, right? They were just kind of middle-of-the-road movies. And so the fact to me that it seems like general audiences, by and large, and critics have both kind of responded going, nope, no thanks. It seems to me that the tides are starting to turn and people are starting to get a little bit of superhero fatigue, perhaps maybe not enough superhero fatigue that we're going to stop making these movies, but enough mm-hmm. where studios need to start thinking, Hey, you gotta, you can't come to me mediocre. You got to come correct. Right. If you're going to make mm-hmm. a superhero movie now, you got to go all out. You got to get good talent. You got to have a really wildly inventive story. You got to do things I haven't seen before. You can't just put a person in spandex and have them save the day. That's just not, we've had enough of that. Mm-hmm. You got to do something different now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't no, know where you fall in this, Shane. Very interested. Does, a James Gunn Superman sound good to you? Because it doesn't to me. And I like James Gunn. I don't know. I mean, James Gunn has a very distinctive style. So it will be interesting to see if he can take a character that is not really his bread and butter or does not really seem to fit his style and do something cool with it. I'm absolutely willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's a very talented filmmaker, um, you know, and he's taken two properties that I could have cared very little about from the guardians of the galaxy to peacemaker and made them, you know, these really inventive and cool stories. So I'm certainly willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but, but I mean, just if you're giving me a list of 30 directors and of who's going to tackle Superman next and his name is on it, he would get crossed off in my first round. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know if I want a ton of needle drops in my Superman. We'll see. I yeah, mean, it could we'll be see. could be awesome. Yeah, could have well, a let's... great vision for this character and be something totally different. And we're all going to see it and be like, man, that that's the Superman we've been missing. That's it right mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Yeah. I hope that's the case. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's crossed. what Christopher Nolan did with Batman, right? You're like, I don't know about this Chris Nolan guy. I like his movies, but I don't know him in a Batman movie. That sounds kind of weird. And then he he did it, and it was, yep, this is. What we've all been missing. So hopefully that is the case with James Gunn. It's just like on paper, you're right, Shane. I would have crossed off the name and maybe gone a different direction. Um, I'm surprised they're not not leaning more on Matt Reeves and giving him kind of the keys to this Mm -hmm. uh, kingdom Mm -hmm. because of how well the Batman was received. And I would like to see his DCU. DCEU or whatever, but yeah, but to me, the Batman was so good that it's like, Hey, don't, don't spread that man too thin. Just let him focus on the Batman two. And then the Batman three, if he wants, and then maybe we'll talk something else, but don't put too much on his plate. You know, that's what happened to Taika Waititi, frankly. And look at how bad Thor three or four, whatever it was the 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 new Thor movie. Look at how bad that was. It's because Taika Waititi has 17 projects. He's actively developing for Marvel, star Wars and everywhere Mm -hmm. else, you know, because you, I think the reception of this, I'm wondering, how much of the fact that like they made this announcement with James Gunn in what September yeah. right around the time black Adam came out, like maybe a couple weeks before, right? Yeah. Like October, something yeah, like September, that, October. maybe yeah, the week you're right, before. You're right. mm-hmm. So I'm wondering because these movies rely so heavily on 
opening weekend, fanboys, people who care about the property to go out and support them, that essentially it was a it was a signal back in September of we're going a different direction. Yeah. And uh, by the way, the characters that uh, we're we'll go ahead and put this out there. No more Shazam. No more Black yeah. Adam. No more Cavill. No more Snyderverse. We're gonna put the go put that out there. It's their fault for putting all that out there. And oh, I know they do. Oh, they yeah. had to probably, you know, they want the stock price to go up, people to keep investing, all that type of stuff. But like, if they had kept this all under wraps until Guardians came out and say, James, yeah. all right, James, as soon as Guardians out, we're going to make this announcement. Well, then maybe I, this is a different, yeah. whole different situation. Who knows? I, th- I think that's a huge part of this. Um, because, you know, I... I I read the rap story today on The Rock, and look, I'm happy to lay blame at the feet of of Dwayne Johnson because he's insufferable, and Black Adam sucked, and his whole, his whole just having made that his entire personality for the last year or two <laughs> has been freaking brutal, man, and I can't stand it. And yeah. it is very clear if you read the article that the rap had or the 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 summaries, if you want to go that route that are out there for free. Um, the, like he, he made a really bad power play that didn't work and that did not help. Did Let's not summarize help that. Okay. Let's summarize. So yeah. what I read from the story was basically he forced his hand to make Cavill's cameo happen in black Adam. Whereas DC wanted it to be Levi Shazam yeah. to set up this Shazam movie to look ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is the next, next thing like kind of like marvel does you know let's let's preview what's next maybe two movies from now type of thing mm-hmm. set some stones shane i want your opinion on this as somebody who works in the studio system how can you go behind their back and make an entire scene in a movie happen the movie gets released and everything how can that happen i mean there are how there they have are not been behind it yeah, I mean, look, there are there are stars, there are people, you know, whether they're directors, writers, or you know, mainly they're actors that certain studios want to be in the whatever whatever business. And obviously, at that time, Warner Brothers made the executive decision that we want to be in the Dwayne Johnson business. So we're gonna trust that he has a, a vision for this, and we're gonna bring Cavill back and put him in the suit and all this stuff. And again, just for the record, Shazam and Black Adam have been like the Batman and Joker since the or their origin in the comics. So it absolutely makes sense that Shazam shows up. But anyways, so you know, so they just decided, hey, we want to be in the Dwayne the Rock Johnson business, and so they made it work and they shot that scene, whatever. And it, and you know, reading some of the behind the scenes stuff on Black Adam, reading some of the behind the scene stuff now on Shazam 2. It doesn't really seem that anybody in DC really wanted that, but at that time they weren't going to tell the rock. No, um, it does sound to me like after the, you know, kind of the, the critical and, and commercial failure of black Adam, and now the critical and commercial kind of failure of this movie that they've cooled on the rock significantly. And they've said, Hey, we're, we're not, we don't want to be in the rock business anymore. We're going to trust James Gunn and Peter Safran to run our DC department. Thanks very much. We'll call you if you, if we need you, but yeah, dude, it happens all the time. I mean, you know, there are, there are dozens uh, of, of uh, studio. I mean, another example, but why is the story? Why are they blaming the rock for this? Why can't they just say we decided with the rock that this is what we wanted to do at the time. And now we're going a different direction. Like, it seems like the rock 
is what they're making it seem like. The Rock hired his own crew in the secret studio and shot this scene and edited it into the movie. And then DC and Warner Brothers found out about it and were like, what the crap? This isn't what we're doing. I, I, you know, like that's I mean, I, what makes it what it seems like. <laughs> I took the article to suggest at least that the rock was trying to pull a power play and, and that they were, they were not happy with the way that regardless of how it went down, whether it was like, you know, secretly f- filmed or, or whatever else, I think that he, I think that he took the, the, the I'm the star and I'm here are my demands thing to, to a level that made that, that made everybody at Warner brothers. I think probably went from we're uncomfortable to like, actually we hate this guy. We don't want to work with him anymore. Okay. Yeah. But, but if that's the, the case, Shane, product, if that's the case, if they made the executive decision, we want to be in the Dwayne Johnson business, then as soon as that cameo happened, they should have been on set shooting another Superman movie with Henry Cavill. Like, you need to commit to it and go for yeah. it. Yeah, They did sure. this to themselves. They pulled out before they even had a chance to, to let Dwayne Johnson's plan play out. Not to defend his side of it at all, but it's like... They put this on themselves. Oh no, and no, no! Dwayne for sure. Johnson's and just taking the heat for it. No one, no one it. is saying that that DC overall didn't shoot themselves in the foot for a, for a variety of reasons. And yes. I, I want to mm-hmm. loop back to something yes. a point you made earlier. But and I, I don't think that The Rock secretly filmed the cameo with uh, with uh, Henry Cavill. I think he literally just told the head of Warner Brothers or the head of DC at the time, "We're filming this cameo with with Henry Cavill, or I'm never going to be in a Warner Brothers picture ever again. Done deal." Mm-hmm. And when you throw down the gauntlet like that, yeah. he's a big enough star, or maybe he was at the time, that they were like, yeah. okay, he's called our bluff. We'll do it. We'll get Henry Cavill back. We'll put him in the movie. I think it was only after the movie came out and the online response was, yeah, having Henry Cavill show up in this movie was pretty stupid, that Warner yeah. Brothers is like, see, we told you, Dwayne. We told you this was a bad idea, and you know, and, and now they've decided to go a different direction. But no, I don't think he filmed it in secret or whatever. But yeah, I, I mean, DC is a huge part to blame for this. And to, and to your point earlier, and, and also kind of agreeing with Brian, announcing that Peter Safran and, and James Gunner are rebooting the whole universe is basically tantamount to saying that this movie will have no impact going forward whatsoever, right? It's just going to be a two and done franchise and diehard comic book fans like when movies interact, obviously the billion trillion dollar Marvel box office domination suggests that casual fans and diehard fans alike, like it when these movies kind of connect. So you basically just already told me six months in advance that Shazam isn't going to go anywhere. And it's just that the movie's going to be done and it's over. And I think that's a huge part of the reason why this movie just kind of died on the vine uh, opening weekend. Yes. I think that is a massive part of this because they could not have made it clear that none of these movies are in the, are, are part of the future for, for this, uh, this universe, you know, Shazam, Aquaman, Black Adam, this, this uh, Henry Cavill, even Gal Gadot. I mean, like, you know, I expect that they'll do the same with the Flash, unless that Flash movie just goes bananas and and does um, overcomes the Ezra Miller effect and is able to to be like a huge, huge, huge movie. They they could not have made it clear that they do not care about these movies, um, because they are not James Gunn movies. Because they are not. I mean, it's you know not to make a sports analogy too much, but like, it's very. I mean, it's the same as a new owner comes in and wants to fire immediately, fires the GM, the coach, et cetera, et cetera, because he wants his people, um, you know, and his movies, his projects, whatever. 
filling those slots. Like, like you're right, can't like stock prices. That's part of it. That's that's a, that's a side of things that has to be considered. That I, I think don't the reason it was it was announced it. was because of the shareholders. Because yeah, if they I, knew no, I totally agree. Black Adam yeah. was going to bomb. Then it's like, what incentive does anyone have to invest for the rest of the year in DC Warner Brothers? entertainment mm-hmm. right yeah. but if you say no, for sure oh by the way yeah. james gunn's on the way then boom everyone's investing i think that if i think that it just goes it shows though we've said a hundred million times over the course of this 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 podcast this show it's not just that that i personally i'll put it all on me because I'll, I'll be the one that takes the heat that's fine like it's not just that i like the marvel movies better it's that they have had good leadership from the outset and have been there has been a structure in place and warner brothers dc has just constantly failed at what i kind of think are pretty easy things to get right they get wrong and right. there there had to have been a way to 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 boost the stock prices and keep investors happy while also not just setting a blaze to the properties that were already done, you know, and the Zaz has been, you know what? He may work out financially at the end of all this stuff. He has been a disaster from a PR standpoint and a creator standpoint. And eventually look like we just saw Bob Chapek get, you know, get, get ousted at Disney. He was having financial problems and creator problems. So, you know, both of those things have to be part of it. No, the studio is not going to fire the head. Um, the board is not going to fire the head of the studio because the guy that made the the people that made Batgirl don't want to work with him anymore. You know, but if there's financial failures in addition to creative failures and creators not wanting to to work with the studio anymore, then that becomes a bigger problem. That was a big part of of Chapex deal. I think the Zaz from a PR standpoint and from a, a creator standpoint has been an absolute disaster. And this, I think kind of speaks to that. It's, there's gotta be a way to say, Hey, James Gunn's on the way guys without saying, also, we don't give a crap about Shazam, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think the, the important thing here on that is not just that, that the three of us are saying that. Okay. It's, from having done this show as long as we have, and Shane is like truly connected to all this stuff because of, you know, his real life and stuff, the industry, we know things about the, 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 the news industry around the movie making industry that 90% of audiences do not know or care about, Mm -hmm. you know, do not, that it never permeates the bubble of, like my mom when she goes to see a movie. It doesn't make any, and it has no, certainly has no deciding factor in whether my parents or some of my friends are going to go see a movie or not. This permeated. Like, people who do not follow movies the way that we follow the movie industry knew that this, that, of what, what's happening with James Gunn and the, the turnover there. The Cavill part of that, I think, brought a lot of attention that maybe they were not expecting and weren't ready for because it suddenly went from something that only industry people are going to really pay attention to, industry people and sickos like us are going to pay attention to, to something that um, the average moviegoer, mass audience member knew is a part of it. And that, that I think, leaks into the marketing. I think it leaks into the, the reception. And it certainly, certainly leaks into 
the the way that um, the movie is approached by audiences. And so when a mo- when an audience knows that the studio doesn't give a rip about the movie, then why should we give a rip about the movie? And I think that that shows in the box office. I know I've been going on and on and on forever. I don't know if you have anything to add or or counter that, Shane. No, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, this movie and the Black Adam stuff seems to have kind of Pierce the cultural zeitgeist where people like your mom, my mom kind of heard about it and knew about it. And when, when bad press reaches that level, then, you know, something is kind of horribly wrong. And yeah, to Ken's point, I think that there's a whole host of factors that went wrong with the making and marketing of, of this movie. But I do think that all of it ultimately does fall on DC. And to your point, Brian, I think that's why Marvel movies have been just looking at it on like a graph. They're by and large better because they are more consistent than the DC movies. There's just more consistency. And so even though Marvel movies may consistently be B minuses and Bs, they're not A pluses and F minuses. You know what I mean? It's like they don't even Mm -hmm. out like Mm -hmm. that. So, um, yeah, it's just this is such an interesting study of everything like on production seemingly going okay on this movie. And then all the forces of the studio heads and the marketing and all this other stuff behind the scenes drama on other films like affecting it. And like I said, to me, ultimately, it's a shame because I thought this movie was a pretty, pretty fun, you know, kind of uh, romp or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's a real shame when when the bad buzz gets to that level where it permeates the the audience members who shouldn't care about these types of things. And this mm-hmm. definitely has happened with the last two DC products for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And by the way, that's gonna. The Flash is sort of a weird outlier. I'm I'm very curious to see what that's gonna look like reception wise. I would expect Aquaman is going to do so much worse than the last Aquaman did, and and because this that's part of this, that's part of they're going to release whole it. Anti Vision, almost, you know. I've heard, I've heard it's terrible, right? The Flash, dude. It, oh no, I'm talking about over, Aquaman. Oh, Aquaman, yeah, Aquaman. <laughs> what we have heard so far, and DC is freaking notorious for using junkets and stuff like that to get to to get good buzz out there first like it's a it's a running joke here of a month before a movie comes out it's oh this is the best movie i've ever seen and that's we know that it's just dc you know sort of pumping in like doing the old indianapolis Colts bid and pumping in fake fan noise or whatever um it's very similar to that uh even with that the people that have seen aquaman at this point have said it's it is just a disaster. Well, and I mean, also, I mean, look at all the behind the scenes stuff on that. I mean, obviously we're not going to get into it, but like Amber Heard was in the movie and then they're trying to cut mm-hmm. her out. I heard that Michael Keaton was in the movie and then they decided to cut him out in lieu of Ben Affleck. And then now with this yeah. James Gunn thing, they're cutting him out as well. And it's like, I can tell you definitively from having made a few films myself and also working in the studio system that constantly being forced to change storylines and cut things in, it rarely makes for a good movie, right? Not always. Sometimes movies come together in the end and they're fine, but it doesn't seem great. I mean, also don't forget in a, well, I would like to say I I am fairly confident that the flash is going to do just fine because I think that again, like all the Ezra Miller stuff has not really permeated the, the, the culture at large outside of movies as well. I think that people may have heard like, Oh, he's kind of a weird, you know, but there hasn't been anything on like CNN. My mom does not know who, know who Ezra Miller is. She does, however, know who Michael Keaton is. And the fact that he has returned to come back as Batman, even my mom is like, Oh, I'd not see that. You know what I mean? So but, I think the flash is going to do pretty, pretty big numbers, not because think, of him, because of the two Batmans in the movie. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, it'll, I think it'll depend on the movie itself and how good it is, first of all, but also 
I'm interested to see closer to the time the movie comes out, the entire, you know, the press leading up to it is just going to be like Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller. Remember this guy? Remember what he did? Yeah. If you don't yeah. know, here's what he did. Uh, yeah. This, I do like, think that there's going to be a bit a bad. A lot of people are going to be like, "Wait, what? Yeah, I didn't know you know, that." I, and then they're going to not going to want to go see right it. I think you're right on that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. On that. I, I think the other thing too, Shane, is like it's, and then we we, we can get in the movie. Sorry, but like if you watch Entertainment enough. Tonight before, like the weekend before yeah. that, there's going to be a story on Ezra Miller. You know what I I'm saying? Like it's going to. I think that they've. They, I think that it has. I think Shane, you're right that it hasn't really permeated the, the bubble at this point for mass audiences. But I, but I think you're right too, Kent. Like it will. It, I think. I think there will be a lot of, broader audience, discussion, especially of, if it's successful. Well. If it makes a hundred million dollars opening weekend, people are gonna be. It can be like. Yeah. Should a movie yeah, with that that's got a you know convicted yeah. guy make a hundred million? Right. You know, like it'll be a con- yeah. controversial if it's successful. It, it, right. it, it could it could be a big thing. But the other thing too is that it's it's not good enough for the Flash to do fine. Like it, if it's less than a billion dollars, it's a failure because of how much they. That's that's I know I'm being a little harsh on that, but like they have spent so much time and money to try to make this thing happen with an actor who frankly does not deserve to be given this many chance. I mean, good Lord. Um, we're not talking about Daniel day Lewis here. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's not enough for the movie to do fine. It has to be a huge, huge smash hit. And I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. And I don't know how much this is going to play into it because that one is confusing on how it's going to relate to the future of the DC. There's no confusion with Shazam and black Adam. We know. There is no future for for them, um, or at least not in the immediate future. This this thing is is kind of done. Um, but the Flash, it feels like it could go either way, and and I don't know. We'll we'll see how it plays. But let's let's get into the movie. Well, um, don't, two quick yeah. things. Don't forget, sure. I, the Flash was supposed to come out, I believe, in 2020, which was before a lot of this stuff started coming to light about Ezra yeah, Miller. So I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not making excuses, but I am just saying when they cast him, when they shot the movie, none of this yeah. stuff was really public. Um, it, that is definitely true. But the, 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 the counter to that is that was three years ago. And even in 2020, there were so many, not just rumors about like the problems that of, of, of the problematic stuff with Ezra Miller, but like how bad, the footage and the cut was looking and stuff like that. It was, I mean, I've said before, I think they should have just pulled the, that's the one they should have pulled the plug on more than anything else. Um, Or at the very least, just said, forget forget it. We're going to re we're going to reshoot all of this with Grant Gustin. Yeah. Whoever has the, I don't want to bring this up because I don't want to give anyone any kind of advantages in the movie draft coming up. (laughs) But have you heard about Tom Cruise in this? Yeah. Yeah. He loved it. (laughs) He said it's like the best movie he's ever seen. Yeah. Okay. He's also <laughs> Scientologist. You know, the, like, yeah. 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 Here's, I, I do want to throw I don't know how I there. feel. Like, this guy knows how, <laughs> like, a good movie when he sees one, right? Isn't this yeah. a guy I that's going to be like, it's a piece of crap? The, yeah. yeah. I saw the I trailer know. for the first time um, on Saturday before Shazam. And I finally kind of understood the bit. Like, I, I got what they were going for. And I was like, okay, I can kind of see how this could work. And every second that Ezra Miller was on screen, I was like, God, this is freaking terrible. He's so bad. They are so bad. And so anyway, 
Uh, Shane finishes off and let's 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 uh, let's get into Shazam. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, just, I was going to say too. We're talking about Aquaman, which is coming out. We're talking about the Flash, which is coming out. Don't forget, there is one other DC movie that is still inexplicably coming out this year. It's called Blue Beetle. Yeah, Blue Beetle. Here's yeah. the deal. I'm a pretty big DC guy. I think that's not really up for debate. If you showed me a a lineup of all the DC heroes, I could pick them out of a lineup. Couldn't tell you the first thing about them, and I'm like. Really? We're canceling Batgirl, which had Michael Keaton in it, which is a huge box office draw over a character that I'm a pretty fan, big fan. And I have no idea what this is about. Like, what is this Blue Beetle movie? If, if DC thinks that 30, a $30 million opening weekend for Shazam 2 was weak, I shudder to think of what's going to happen to Blue Beetle opening weekend. If that's just going to fizzle, you know, like a pop rocket and just and yeah. it's done, you know, I, I think. I respect what Blue Beetle is like. I know just having fun. I don't know anything about the the character or the 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 comics or anything like that. But like, I know that like the cast and the the representation element of it is really important. And so I think that's part of why we're gonna carry on. But I do worry for it, given everything that we have seen um, to this point with with DC post. Uh, post the gun announcements by the way again like that could be an awesome thing long term it's just it's just a really bad it's a weird deal i think to just say we actually we do not care about these four movies that we have like on the slate like at all we would rather them do poorly um than try to figure out a way to kind of have our cake and eat it too but yeah uh, anyway shazam 2 fury of the gods um, what worked, what worked for you, Shane? And we'll, we'll get into some negatives. As so well. here's, here's what really worked for me in the movie. Um, the first Shazam movie was all about, you know, the, the joys of being a superhero when you're a kid, right? It was that wish fulfillment of, you know, every, you know, every young boy or girl had a cape or whatever and ran around in your house and you pretended you were a superhero, whatever. And I think that that movie did that well. Although for me personally, that's been a well-drawn note over comics over the years. I mean, Spider-Man has been doing that since his inception, right? He's a 15-year-old kid or whatever. Um, so there was a lot of Shazam that was just kind of felt like, oh, we've been here before. What really hit me in this one, that, that, that the story beats that really worked for me, is the the story beat that Billy Batson's character is about to turn 18, and he's scared that his foster parents are going to kick him out of the house. And because he's never really had a family of his own, he's like desperate to lose this group of people who he, he feels like is his family for the first time. And he's holding on to them a little bit too tight. That story arc really, really worked for me. And it, it, like, there was literally a moment in the film where like, I literally like started tearing up for just a brief second. And I was like, what is happening to me in Shazam mm-hmm. two? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> um, that it, that it really hit me. I also thought that, um, that Zachary Levi, like he was, for me, he was a little bit over the top in the first movie. And I feel like in this one, he really kind of settled into it uh, a little bit more. Um, you know, and then the other thing that I really, really enjoyed with this movie was getting all of the like adult versions of the kids like in there, you know, cause you got them in the first Shazam, but you got them for like six seconds and that was it mm-hmm. getting to yeah. see them as characters highlight for me was Megan good who played like the adult version of, I think her name is Ruby, her playing just like a cute eight year old, you know, just kind of ditzy and like almost unaware of what's going on. Never failed to make me chuckle. Like that's just so funny to me. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that the story arc and the emotional beats of this one hit a lot harder for me than the first one. So on just a general level, uh, that's what I really liked about it. And that's why overall, some of the rougher points of the movie don't bother me as much because the emotional core of the story really hit, you know, hit for me. I, I dug it. What about you, uh, Kent? 
Yeah, I agree. I like the family aspect uh, of this story. I think it's cliche on purpose. You know, like the big scene with the suspension bridge. I'm like, oh God, another superhero movie with a suspension bridge sequence. God. <laughs> but I think that's it's trying to do that and make fun of itself, but it doesn't know that it's being cliche. So I think that's that's part of it. I, I love Zachary Levi. I mean, this guy, if they didn't already have, if he wasn't already in DC, like I'd want this guy to be Superman. Like this guy is charismatic, can act. Um, I mean, he's handsome. You know, this guy's got got the total package. I don't know what he's his career is going to be beyond Shazam because I associate him with that so much. And now that Shazam's not going to be a thing, here's the thing that what they should maybe could have done, what James Gunn could have done. I love Zachary Levi as Shazam. Not shutting the door on his character coming into my movies, but we don't have any plans right now. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, yeah, Shazam could and pop up fair, in uh, Superman three or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Zach Levi Shazam. Like I to completely close the door on on this. I don't know. It doesn't make much sense to me because it was well received critically, commercially. Even though it's not a billion dollar movie, like this is a minor success. You know. Um, you can write this off as a success, unlike uh, Black Adam, which you'd have to really tweak the numbers to make it make it work. I mean, for me, this one was too long. Uh, I mean, an hour and 20 into this, I think right around the dragon sequence, when the dragon shows up, I'm like, all right, cool, we're wrapping this up. And I looked down at my watch, I'm like, oh man, we got another, almost an hour <laughs> left. So I felt the fatigue, but, you know, that's it is what it is with these. At this point, but I thought the script was clever, like Rachel Zegler, of course, being added into it. I haven't seen Lucy Liu in a long time. So her and Helen Mirren's uh, sister characters, whatever you want to call them, I thought they were uh, interesting. The only thing I don't like is I like, what's his name, Freddy, in the first one a lot. I hated him in this one. I thought he was yeah, super was, annoying was in this one. Rough. When you I say Freddy, do you mean the kid or the, the kid. adult Freddy? Okay. The kid Freddy. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with. I'm definitely with you on that. I I uh, I thought that he was. I thought that he was. He was pretty pretty dang good in the first one. This one, I was like, oh no, we've crossed the, we crossed the threshold of. It's like Luke on Modern Family was like a really good, fun <laughs> yeah. kid actor for the first three seasons, and then at some point you're like, oh no, he's not good. Like, this is right. Yes, yeah. this is tough, man. This is tough. Yeah. Uh, this is uh that was the case for me and and the, and the hard part of that is I think that the other kid the 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 kid Billy Batson is actually a pretty good actor and so yeah I thought he was I fine get that you, yeah I get that you want to have Shazam like the real the the Zachary Levi on screen as much as possible but in hindsight I wish that we could maybe switch those two um <laughs> like the character wise but uh anyway um yeah look I I think this is this is vaguely on par with the first one i'm with you shane the the family stuff worked for me i got i i added it to my letterbox list of movies that that made me cry um this year or at least made me tear up you have a list of movies that make you cry i do this this year i did as brian Brian gets older the list gets longer and longer yeah yeah Yeah. i've got a let me see what the title of it is you can start you can find my letterbox brian gill uh yeah movies that made me cry in the year of our lord 2023 so um, so far, we're at eight. Um, eight this not year? New, not new movies. Not all of them are new. Oh Most of them are gosh. new movies. But 
like I like ate all time for me the other day. And I got a little. Kent, a little you cry. are dead inside, but man, I am. But I feel like I cry at appropriate times. But eight no, this I'm year, that's a I'm that's incredible. incredible. No, yeah, I'm impressed. I'm I'm a mess. Um, <laughs> I'm a mess. No, but, no, but like, look, I, I'm defending Brian on this one. Like, out of nowhere, there's a scene in this movie where, like, all of a sudden, I start tearing up, and I'm almost yeah, laughing yeah. at myself. I'm so, like, what is like, happening? What is happening to family me? Family stuff, surrogate family, foster care, like, all that stuff is a big emotional trigger for me anyway. And so if you just do it, like, like <laughs> not even good. Like, if you just do it not bad, then it's an easy... It's an easy uh, cry for me or tear up anyway. Yeah, from the yeah, first I, one, the scene where his mom like leaves yeah, him with the cop. Brutal. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah, yeah that's, that's tough. That's, that's a rough. That's a rough sequence. Yeah, um, yeah. I liked the the adult versions of the superheroes were good, or were you know, or it's 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 an easier watch than than kids on acting can be most of the time, right? Um. So I think that was a that was a pretty good choice, and and if and when this comes back, I would say do most of this with just the adults, not the not the kids. I think we're probably at that point at this with with, with the age of most of these these uh, kids and stuff. I would do that for sure if this comes back. Levi's an interesting one to me. I've I've kind of I'm hot and cold with him. I I. I think that he does this very well. I think he does this um, Tom Hanks big thing well. Um, I don't feel like he, for me, I don't think he has like the the gravitas that I want from a superhero that I'm going to take seriously, I guess. But that may just be the right note that you, I don't know how long you can play that note, but as as long as you you can, I guess, you know. You should. So he fit. He he plays that note really well. I'm not sure how well it progresses. We also have to be honest. Like some of all of this, and maybe even some of their decision making regarding what they're doing with Shazam, is that he's had a pretty bad press run over the last six to twelve months too. And I don't think to the level of Ezra Miller. So you know, maybe it's a little <laughs> hypocritical. But I I, I don't think that he's <laughs> somebody that people really like to work with either. So. Um, there's, you know, there's some of that, that, that factors in, I think that he's fine at this kind of thing. I think he, he, he kind of, as long as there's like an element within the character of being a little, just a little bit cheesy, not over the top cheesy, but I think he does that pretty well. And so for this, I would say that he is, for me, he is better in the first movie than he is in the second movie because the second movie asks a little bit more range. And I'm not saying he doesn't have it. I just don't think he's quite as good at it as he he is is just playing the kind of goofy um adult the never grow up adult Mm -hmm. i guess yeah Um, yeah he's good at playing a man child in a a good way i think yeah 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 that's exactly that's a great way to put it um rachel zegler is a great addition to the cast this is they also i mean they did a really good job too of just like kind of making a cw movie where it's like everybody on screen is every they're all beautiful people so that i think is that can always help. Um, and when you add Rachel Ziegler to the cast, you know, you know, I think you know what you're doing. There, no so. singing scene, so uh, yeah. big wasted no singing, opportunity. That's a shame. That that's that was shame. a weird part of the online discourse with this movie as well, where it was like, why is this? Why is Rachel Ziegler in the cast? She was in West Side Story. It's like, yeah, she was yeah, in she West Side Story. She's in a one big, movie. Be, she's a big amazing in West Side Story. She, she was nominated for an Oscar, wasn't she? So yeah, well, well she. Not- 
I, I mean, it's like people who say things like that, again, have like a fundamental misunderstanding of how the business works. It's like, you don't just do one movie and then you're rich for the rest of your life. That's not how right. that works. You have to do like 15 yeah. before you yeah. have retirement money. And two, doing a movie that's going to put you in front of a thousand million eyeballs will get you yeah. into other movies that you know, it's like, so that was one of the weirdest things. Like, why is she in this movie? Why is she stooping so low? It's like, cause she needed a gig after yeah. West side story. And she took one. What yeah, are you talking about? Shazam like, was well received. Like, I was actually thinking about that watching this. Like, if I was her agent and I got the call, hey, uh, we're oh doing Shazam gosh, too, yeah. I would have been like, yeah. man, I saw Shazam yes. 1. It was really fun. You should do this. Yes. Yeah. That's what I would, that you know. Oh, oh, and also, yeah, by sure. the way, your your main co-stars are going to be Lucy Liu, who is an action movie icon, and Helen Mirren, and Helen Mirren who is a literal dame and an icon mm -hmm. of the screen. You get to hang out with them every day for three months. No, no, I'm yeah. not going to do it. I think that people might not like it online. Yeah, like, of course she was going to do this movie. Stop that. Stupid. That's yeah. a stupid criticism. Yeah, that was um, bizarre. There's there are there are fair criticisms about this. Um, so let's 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 transition there. Look at that, Radio Man. Segway. Um, You're a pro, a consummate pro. I'm a, I'm a pro at this. Uh, I thought it was a poorly edited movie. You shouldn't notice the editing. Um, it, we always say that you only notice editing when it's really good or really bad. I thought this was on the really bad side. I would chalk some of that up to studio interference, but. At the end of the day, the the director uh, uh, David Sandberg is is kind of on the hook for that. It's a it's a it's a movie that felt like I don't even know if it's fair to say it just felt like a lot of scenes with no interconnective tissue. But what it felt like to me was there were, that on day one of writing this script, they brought out the whiteboard and they wrote down fifty things that we here's our ideas here's what we're trying to get into this movie and then no one ever crossed anything off the list and it was like well now we have to get the dragon gotcha all right and we got to have like a weird deal about how there's no air inside this um this dome so we're gonna want this character to be real sweaty and now we definitely obviously we need to bring in the unicorns even though there was really a like a like a two second mention of unicorns earlier and it's like there were a whole bunch. I'm sure there were lots and lots and lots of good ideas. And at the end of the day, the editing made me feel like the, they were so committed to making sure that all of these ideas made it to screen rather than does this fit within, you know, mm -hmm. the actual scope of the movies. So I thought it was, I thought that was a, that's a big criticism I have. It's it, I think as a result, it feels like a little bit weirdly paced and, the, I think the people that suffer the most from that uh, are are Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren because almost every scene that they're in, really from the jump, it kind of feels like you have walked into a room where a scene has been happening for twenty or thirty seconds before you're seeing what happens. It's it's very it's very choppy and short on that front. And I think, I mean, look, Helen Mirren, Helen Mirren is a freaking legend. This this did not come across as one of her better performances, and I would say the same for Lucy Liu. I actually felt like she was actually kind of bad, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought, I don't really think that that is her fault. I think that is the editing and the the the, the way in which so much has been crammed into this. We've never really had an opportunity for that character to develop or have any sort of... Uh, like real background. It's like, we just jump in and she's like, I hate humans. Now I'm going to kill them. And that's kind of it. That's all there really is to it. Yeah. Um, so those, those I really, those are my biggest criticisms beyond kind of what I said about 
uh, Zach Levi earlier, but I don't know. What about you, Kent? Where are you at with this? Yeah, like I said, too long. It had some cliche um, big sequences. How hard is it to come up with three sequences that are unique and original? Like, how many months do they plan these things? I don't. <laughs> I don't understand why we keep seeing the same things in the same settings, the same creatures over and over and over again. I, I I'm actually kind of opposite of you, Shane. I I thought uh, Megan Good's character. Did we talk about Brian? The we should have talked about this at the top on the business side of things, but. The fact that David O. Sandberg is like defending the reception of this. Did you see the tweet he put out? Yeah, I did. I This should never be the you should never do this, directors. The many directors who listen to this show. <laughs> he put out the this tweet that said, like, I don't know why critics don't love this movie. I thought it was really good. Something like that. No, never do that. I think that you get like one of those. um, I would phrase it differently than he did for sure. Um, I think that you're, I think that there's something to be said for like, Hey, we made this movie for audiences and audiences seem to really like it. So thanks for watching it. I hope you go see it in this weekend, you know, or whatever. Tell a friend, (laughs) Um, you know, something like that. I, but I am with you. I think that it is, this has become, I'm sure that this is just like, this is social media and this is what happens and this is what you do and whatever. But like, I'm not saying that you just need to be like, cause it look in their situation. I understand his frustration. I do. I, if I was him, I would feel like the studio sold me out too. And, and just, or hung me out to dry and did not support me the way that you would expect to be supported for a movie that costs $125 million to make. And, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I he just didn't say he that, never... though. He said, I think it's a really good movie. I don't know why critics don't like it more. That, like, yeah. He's actively I mean, that's, complaining that's about film criticism in general. It's like, dude, this is a part of it. Well, no, yeah, but the, I think what he was referring to is that there were some critics who were just seamlessly negative out of no reason. And it's like, like, look... If you're Zack Snyder and you're making like Batman v Superman or Justice League, you have to be prepared for a large number of people who are, are going to hate it and hate it passionately because he's making some pretty bold choices. There is nothing in this movie that is vehemently bold one way or the other. And some critics were treating like like David Sandberg came over to their house and kicked their dog. <laughs> and it's like I think that's what he was just was responding to is like. Look, if you don't like the movie, you don't like the movie. But like, there is no reason for some of these like really negative reviews that I'm seeing. I, I think the other thing too, is that he's probably learned the hard way in the last two weeks that like tone and sarcasm is a little hard to, to do on Twitter. Like when you can't hear the inflection on someone's voice. Cause he also did another tweet where he made a cheeky joke about like, well, whatever, it doesn't matter if it bombed. I got paid my fee up front. And like, it was, it was just a joke he was making, right? Like I, like I just made it to you. You got the tone of the text that I was saying. And then apparently like, that story just got picked up and it was on the cover of like CNN or on the front page of CNN. And he was like, Oh my God, people are taking what I said out of context. So I think that perhaps what's happening is he's just made some comments that need contact context and tone. And that doesn't exist on Twitter. And it just got spun out of proportion. Yeah. It should never be the move to go on Twitter and complain about the reviews of your movie. It should never even be a thought. And the fact that it happened, I mean, he said, he literally said like, F this, I'm going back to horror movies. I'm done with you guys. 
I can't take this anymore. It was like one of those types of things. Like, okay, dude. Yeah, I would kind of sit in the middle there. I, I, I think, I think that you're never gonna win when you when you start right. that kind of tweet and conversation. And even if you're right, even if you're justified or or partially right or justified, it just ends up being. It's just I don't know. You move on <laughs> it, to the next one. Yeah, bands. It, you don't release a record and then everybody hates it and be like, actually, I think it was really good music. And y'all are wrong. That never works yeah. out. Yeah, you, you gotta it's learn always to take better it on the just ship. to kind of take yes. the lumps and 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 move on. I think um, because because you're right. Like it gets it gets aggregated so quickly and so poorly. We see that so much in sports, and and I don't I don't think it happens as as frequently or as quickly in the movie industry as it does in in sports. So maybe that's just a lesson that. That these dorks who make movies—I'm kidding—need um, to learn from from the sports world is like anything you say publicly will be aggregated so quickly and will immediately be taken out of context or with context added to it that you didn't intend or you know whatever else. And so, I, I don't love the concept of like, well, if you're critical of my movie, then that means you're an idiot. I don't like that, and that's not totally what he says, but that there, there does seem to be there's a certain pocket of the creative community that I think does feel that way that, that, and, and that sort of a bit permeates the, these kinds of conversations. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, I feel like there's fair criticism and then there's unfair criticism. I hope that we on this show are, I'm sure we've never been a hundred percent fair on, on like every single thing that we've done, but we try and we try to make most of this balanced and fair. And, um, and the, the effort yeah, is the important yeah. part. That's the effort. No one's yeah. perfect all the time, but it's the effort yeah. that counts. But it's just a, it, 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 it has felt like a, it, it's felt more than ever before. Like over the last year, I have felt like more and more creators are spending more time kind of both preemptively like Bobby eggs did for six months before Northman came out. It felt like of just, griping about the, the money that he got to make his movie uh, about Norse rituals and stuff. But like, this is part of the deal. You get money from studio studio expects certain things. We all understand that studio is not working with the best of intentions. Doesn't care about your art as much as they care about, you know, the money and all this, your movie then gets released to critics. Critics like it or they don't like it. Then it goes to audiences. Audiences like it or they don't like it. That's part of the process. And if you're not, if you're not able or willing to engage in the process as it exists, then I would suggest you, you don't take the money from studio and you just kind of, you know, <laughs> cut this off right. at, at the pass and, and not, uh, not deal with it. Yeah. Like and, and to your point, you take your lumps so that you move on to the next movie and hopefully it's better, yeah. you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. But uh, anyway, I don't know that we need to get like super in depth on this movie because it's not really a, a super in depth movie. But I guess for the sake of of having fair and balanced criticism, um, like we do here at the show, uh, we'll do spoilers and just what? How did you? How did the ending work for you in the final battle and and the the sequence with uh, with Shazam versus the dragon and such? Did that did that work? Was it work? Was it worth the payoff? Did it leave you, you know? 
wanting more, lacking, whatever. How did you feel about uh, the the final act, Shane? So for me, I mean, just touching on some of my lows, that that was kind of my low, for my singular low for the movie is that I do feel mm-hmm. like the, see, I slightly disagree. I thought the editing of the movie was fine until the third act when the dragon showed up. From there on, I was like, oof, we can, we can move this along a lot quicker. Um, good to know that it's not just me who felt that way because I'm just, I'm not a dragon guy. They don't really rev my engine. So... <laughs> When a dragon shows up, I'm I'm I, I'm you know nonplussed, right? It's like what about I don't really a dragon made of tree though? Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter what the color of its skin is. I I don't see dragon skin color uh, or or creed or you know, but like yeah. I just so for me it showed up and I was like Ugh, like no thanks. I just it, it felt like it dragged on a little bit too long. Um, my other kind of low for this movie, and this is just weirdly specific to me. I'll just throw this out here. Did you guys ever see the movie uh, The Other Guys, the one with Mark Wahlberg and yeah. Will Ferrell? Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you remember the scene in that movie where Mark Wahlberg goes over to Will Ferrell's house, uh, like for dinner and he walks in and Will Ferrell's just married to Eva, uh, Eva Mendez. Uh-huh. And the whole yeah. time he's like, what, what is happening here? Like he just, yeah. he literally, can, Gergic, yeah, he just cannot on, believe. On and, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He just cannot believe yeah. every uh-huh. single time it cut back to the foster mom. I was like, yeah, I know what's happening. I Am I being punked here? Yeah. Like what is Jeez. happening? Yes, she's uh she's a very attractive woman and uh I I assume that guy's real funny. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's like look, she was not only is she like drop dead yeah. gorgeous, but she's an incredible actress too, yeah. but it it was just yeah. like she was distractingly yeah. pretty and the whole time like yeah. every time it cut back to her, I was just I was like Mark Wahlberg. I'm like, seriously, yeah. what's going on here? What's going on here? What, what, like where are the cameras? Funny. Like am I being punked? Like, yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't get over it. Like, yeah, yeah. I guess I forgot she was in the first one too, but I guess if I went back and watched it, I would feel the same. Um, Maybe the peak of that is chef with when John Favreau's current girlfriend is Scarlett Johansson and his ex-wife is, is, uh, Oh, who is it from, uh, Gloria from modern family. Yeah. What's what's her name? Yeah. Uh, Sophia Vergara. Sophia Vergara. Thank you. Yeah. And it's just like, Hey, who wrote this movie? Cause, (laughs) um, yeah. yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah, I would I would do the same if I wrote a movie. Yeah. <laughs> my whiny ex is Anna Diarmas. I'm like, oh my goodness, I know. Jeez, my goodness, <laughs> just always bothering me. You know? uh, just nag, nag. Uh, yeah, Kent, what about you? How did the uh, how the final act work for you? Did it did it all come together? Or I actually liked out? the unicorns, so I'll defend okay. the unicorns. Right. I was thinking, why haven't we seen more unicorns in movies? Unicorns, like we need a unicorn horror movie. That's what what this Uh made me. Attack of the Unicorns. I want to see that. The unicorns impaling people was pretty awesome. I actually liked the weird creatures that came out of the tree thing. I thought they were pretty. Yeah, that was a fun scene. Yeah, I like that scene. So creature design. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. So it just took way too long to get there. Yeah, I agree. I understand the Avengers being two hours, two and a half hours, but like. Shazam 2? What are we doing? Get me out of there in 80 minutes, please. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. so two, ready for it to hours. be over that I think I just yeah. blocked out like the last 20 yeah. minutes mentally. Okay, so how do we feel about the final? Again, we're in spoilers. How do we feel about the final cameo of this whole thing? And 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 the relation of Wonder Woman to the survival of this character? I mean, look, it, it felt a little deuce ex machina, right? Where she just kind of comes out of nowhere and, yeah. you know, she just kind of saves the day. But whatever. I mean, it was, 
you know, by that point, like, A, you knew this movie was going to bomb uh, at the box office when DC spoiled that in their own trailers like two weeks before the release or like a week before the release. Um, I didn't see that trailer and I'm glad I didn't because I, I, I didn't know that she, that she was going to be in it. Yeah. Pop up. So yeah. she shows up, whatever kind of does her thing. Um, you know, and like, I mean, it was, I, I it was fine. I mean, it, it did what it needed to do, which is it brought him back to life. It tied it in a little bit with some of the DC characters and you know, it was fine. I didn't hate it. I didn't feel like, Oh, this is so awesome. Maybe just because I also like saw it coming. Cause DC told me it was mm. coming, but I don't know. It, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a natural part of the story if that's what you're asking, but it also didn't feel like so aggressively for out of left field that it was that I didn't like it either. It was just like, okay, whatever wonder woman's here. He obviously has a crush on her. So it was kind of a nice little story beat wrap up that joke or whatever, but uh, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it was fine. You know? Okay. I thought it was another example of, of poor editing there. Cause it, when she pops up, it's like, yeah, okay. I guess they've been setting this up the whole time, but also I don't think they did enough for that to really be the payoff. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't a good setup. I would imagine that the setup's better in the, the four hour cut of this that I do not want to see, but that the, you know, this would be a more complete setup, but also it, 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 it it did similar to me as, as Cavill does in black Adam where I'm like, right. But like, you've decided that she's not part of this anymore. So like what, I'm not sure what necessarily, I mean, I get what the point is for just this story, but the way these things, you know, attach to each other, I'm not sure what the point of it is, but uh, you know, whatever. Uh, what about you, Kent? We can grade this and move on. But what do you think about Gal Gadot and and the the way that it uh, it concludes? Yeah, thought I thought it was fine. I agree. I think they were yeah. setting up for that. I thought the scene with actual Shazam in Gal Gadot's body was a very funny moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. Sure, disturbing but funny. Yeah. And Jamal Hansu's uh, awesome. <laughs> he's in like all these movies. He freaking rules, dude. Gosh, he's, he's in every. Awesome. I think he's in every movie. How he how die in this either? How like, sharp yeah. did he look at the end too? And he showed up like you yeah, know with his hat and everything. Gosh. I was like, man, he's a he, like he is a fly have, looking guy. You know, like to have a tenth of the swag that that guy has. My gosh, yeah, oh, guy kills it. So good. He's awesome. Let's. I also just want to real quickly touch base on the other other cameos at the end of the movie where. Um, the two people from Peacemaker show up and they want him to join the Justice Society of America. That apparently the original plan was to have just what is his name? Alt, what is his name? Alton Hodges, the guy who played Hawkman in Black Adam. Yeah. And then also yeah. Adam Smasher were going to show up. They were going to be the people who ask him to join the Justice Society, which would, you know, make sense in there since they're in the Justice Society. Um, and the rock vetoed that and was like, no, 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 they're in my movie. They can't be in like a beat class movie like Shazam too. And so just, what a douche. I know just oh, again. And worse. it's like, that's, I think that's why I've soured so poorly on the rock recently is because it's like, it's fine when he's in a dumb action movie, but it's like when he's in a comic book movie, all right, son, now you're in my world and, and you're ruining it because it's like, he claims that he loves comics and he's there for the fans. And it's like, you're not here for the fans, man. If you were here for the fans, you would have realized that that would have been better than getting C-list characters from the Peacemaker TV show. Like, why? You know? So, anyways, that little teaser thing at the end was funny where he thought it was the Justice League and it's the Justice Society, but would have been better if the right characters were in that cameo. Yeah. Yeah, that was a... And then to have the the second teaser with with, uh, Mark Strong and and, 
what's the caterpillar's name? Worm, worm guy. I, I honestly forget. Mind master or something like that. Um, I I felt like again. I know when you're making this movie, you don't know that that Warner Brothers is about to pull the rug out from under you. But I might have just cut that because it's never going to get a payoff at this. Right. Point. Just like, put it as if, a DVD extra. Yeah, it's like even if if shazam and company get brought back at some point which i totally think is i don't think they're closing the door on any of these characters at some point i just think they're closing the door on 2026's shazam 3 you know and and whatever yeah it's his character is based off magic just do some magic screenwriting stuff and bring him into the you know it's not that hard guys it's not real life I would, How about they cast Sinbad as the new Shazam? <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Just get real meta. <laughs> be good. Be good. All right, let's grade this thing and uh, do some weekly recommends. Uh, I will give. I will give Shazam to, or Shazam Fury of the Gods. Excuse me. I don't want. I don't want Zachary Levi to be angry at me on Twitter. Um, I'll give it a B plus. Uh, a very slight B plus, like. I'll rewatch this whenever Coop wants to rewatch it, but I it was it is it's fine plus. So maybe really a B, but I had a decent time with it, and maybe some of it was I was expecting it not to be good. But uh, anyway, B plus for me. Kent, what about you? Yeah, I'm a little lower. I'm a B on it. Okay. Yeah, Shane. I'm as surprised as anybody to say this out loud, but A minus for me. Like I was okay. genuinely delighted at how much I enjoyed this movie, even though it was rough yeah. around the edges. So A minus for me. Have fun at the movies, you know? I mean, I just, th- this is, I know I just, whatever. I, I don't, we don't need to relitigate it, but it, it's such a strange one that people have decided. I, and I know part of this is this, the Snyder bros. That's a huge part of the the internet reaction to it. It's fun. It's, it is a strange one for me to, to, for critics to just destroy or not even destroy, but to, to pick apart. It's a strange one. That's fine. Whatever. But just, yeah, have fun at the movies. I would say have fun at the movies. Um, I'm going to get that tattooed. If I can find any space on my back. Pipe, pipe down and eat some more popcorn. How about that? <laughs> okay. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's do a quick uh, weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. All right, Kinto, what is your weekly recommend this week? Yeah, this recommend is inspired uh, by a movie we reviewed a few weeks ago, uh, Cocaine Bear. And uh, yes. my wife, Zoe, uh, came to see that movie with me, and uh, we got to talking after the movie and uh, about the Sorry, cast. I just really want this to be, we started doing cocaine. And yeah, I'm just recommending <laughs> coke. It's changed our lives. I was going to say, Ken, you don't, even, you don't even need to put bear on the end of that sentence. Just recommend. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We started Sorry. talking about I mean, the cast of the, of the movie. And I was like, man, it felt like an American's reunion and she had never seen it. So we started from episode one this past weekend and it's still awesome, guys. So good. So good. Uh, The pilot, I hadn't seen the pilot probably in a decade and I forgot about the Fleetwood Mac sequence at the beginning. That was sick. 
There's so many great twists in the, uh, the, the Phil yeah. Collins at the end. They, there's so many great Gosh. twists in there. Like a, you know, Terry Hitchcockian. I loved it. She loved it. And, uh, we're on episode three or four now and starting that awesome. rewatch. She's excited about it. And, uh, I get to introduce her to the Americans. And so listener, if you've never seen this show, check it out. It's one of the best shows. Love that. Love that. I, uh, I did rankings a few weeks ago and we did, it's actually probably longer than a few weeks at this point, but we did, I think we, it was, it was pilots, top 10 pilots, TV pilots. And I, I rewatched the Americans pilot just to uh, make sure that it belonged as high on my list as it did. And it did. It's so freaking good. That show is awesome. I'm jealous of, of Zoe getting to watch this for the first time. Can't that's, that is an incredible show. That might be a top tenner for me, like show of all time. It's it's incredible, incredible stuff overall. But Shane, have you seen The Americans? You know, I have not. I know you guys talk about how great it is all the time, and it it is on my list, like high on my list of shows that I got to get around to. How many seasons? Five. There's six. Six. Okay, it's and on my, my list. Sure. Each of them have thirteen, yeah. except the last okay. one has ten. So they're not gotcha. that. It's not like twenty episode season. Uh, but it is intense. It's not something you can put on in the background. It's a yeah. It's you a need pay to pay attention. attention. It's a lot of yeah. like Cold War yeah. uh, stuff. But I it's the, like I love the Cold War so much. Cold I mean, War this so just much. this notion of of people living next door to you that are spies is yeah. an awesome premise. And it let's just say it, it lives up to that premise and more. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. I awesome. hear it's fantastic. I just I got to get around to it one of these days. Yeah. I will. I promise. It's great. It's great. Okay. Um. Shane, what's your uh, what's your weekly recommend? You know what? I'm going to throw out something that has probably been recommended on the show before, but in honor of the late Lance Reddick, who sadly passed away this week, um, I am going to be the voice of your conscience that is going to remind you again, if you have not watched HBO's The Wire, mm-hmm. watch it. It is singularly one of the greatest television shows in the history of TV. Um, among casting directors and filmmakers and all sorts of people uh, in Hollywood, if you were on the show The Wire, it is literally like a badge of honor of like it's like it's like saying you went to Harvard, like you know, but like actor level, you know, where it's like oh my god, they were on The Wire, bring them in, bring them in. And his mm. character uh, of uh, I think it's uh, Daniels or Mick Daniels, I forget off the top of my head, is uh, I mean just a masterclass in poise and acting. He is incredible in that show. The writing in that show is unbelievably dense in a good way, um, and it is, it's just one of the best shows of all time. So if you have not watched The Wire, now's the time to do it. Um, the only thing I will say, though, is that you know we're all distracted. I am personally guilty of that as well. The Wire is not a show that you can watch while you play you know, solitaire on your phone. you got to put your phone away and like give the show its due. But it might be the most you have to pay attention to this show of all time. Yes. Like, it is... <laughs> Yes, exactly. But it, but like I, I legitimately do not know a person who has watched the show and did mm-hmm. not come away raving about the show. Yeah. So yeah. if you it haven't might be seen the best it, show of all time, it might yeah. be. I mean, it's like that Sopranos, like there are definitely, you know, mm-hmm. some, but, but he was Lance Reddick was incredible in the wire and he, he, him alone is one of the reasons you should watch it. So yeah. it's on HBO max. Uh, if you have it, uh, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere else, but check it out. The wire. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great, great recommend. Um, I would definitely say The Wire is like when we say this, is the, that's the greatest show ever. That what, what, what I always say is like, you're never going to, we can't prove this, right? Like it's not, it's not possible to decide 
um, what is the best show or the best movie or whatever. What you're looking for is a show that when I ask you, hey, what's the best show you've ever seen? And you throw out show X that my response is, oh, yeah, I could totally see that, even if that's not the my pick. You know what I mean? And The Wire is... I don't know how many shows are in that category. I don't know if it's five or 10 or, or 20, but The Wire is definitely... what. However, <laughs> if you want to limit it to, to a Mount Rushmore situation, okay, I think The Wire belongs in <laughs> yeah. that conversation. To the point so. where looking up like any popular television critic's list yeah. of best shows of all time yes. is now boring yes. because all you're looking for is yes. what's number one and what's number two, Sopranos or The Wire. It's either one yeah. of the two. It's so, like, it's, yeah. that's not negotiable, you know? I Certainly from this this era, it's it's The Wire, Sopranos, Mad Men, Breaking Bad. Yeah. And that, you know, however you want to rank those things is fine. There are nuances to it that are, that are better to sit, whatever. Like Alan Seppenwall said The Simpsons is the best show of all time. And that's that actually makes a lot of sense, too. You know, there's there's lots that you can say uh, The Wire belongs in that conversation. So um, I will make my recommend a TV show as well. So we can have a, a three TV show uh, week here. I read a book, I think, yeah, I read a book last year that came out a couple of years ago called Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It is like an oral history of a band from the 60s and 70s that doesn't exist um, called Daisy Jones and the Six. And I really loved the book. It was, it was, it's very almost famousy. Um, it, the band is sort of a stand in for Fleetwood Mac a little bit. There's, there's some definite similarities between, um, the band in the book and, and the Fleetwood Mac situation. Fleetwood Mac, by the way, having a a renaissance right now. Can't, I don't know if you're, if you're aware of this, but like Gen Z just discovered the, uh, the 94 reunion concerts and Mm. it has become quite a thing on, on social media again. Um, so the non Stevie reunion. No, the the one with Stevie, the oh, uh, the dance. I think it was ninety four. Yeah, like when when yes, yeah, yeah. Um, the Silver Springs is making the rounds on like TikTok and Instagram and all that sort of stuff. Like that performance, isn't it great when younger generations like kind of on their own find stuff? Like, I love it. Like, I freaking love that. You, yeah, I know you can't sure. wait for the day that like Cooper comes to you and he's like, "Dad, I sit down for a second. I got to talk to you about something." You're like, "What?" And he's like. <laughs> Have you have you heard of this band, The Beatles? Like they're phenomenal. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, kiddo, I, I know. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Except for us, it'll be like newfound glory. <laughs> yes, freaking yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. If we're right. lucky. Yeah. I just compared the Beatles to newfound glory. Um. Anyway, the uh, <laughs> the show adaptation of Daisy Jones and the Six hit Amazon Prime a couple weeks ago. My wife and I caught up on it. Um. Over over spring break. It's not, I think it's 10 episodes and maybe eight episodes are out now, something like that. Uh, I think the final two came out, come out this week. It's really good. It's fun. Um, It might, I'm not totally sure yet. It might verge on closer to like guilty pleasure show than the wire, you know, like Mount Rushmore kind of show. But, uh, but so far I'm really digging it. And I mean, you know, almost famous, my favorite movie of all time. So I'm kind of in the bag for the scene the the uh the acting's pretty solid the performance is good the song that that, that they're performing similar to like a star is born they have this one big song that they perform a few times and it's written by Marcus Mumford it's pretty great um and I'm I'm enjo- the two leads are both acting and singing Rami Rami Malek could never um, <laughs> it's kind of a good bit I like that too and it it is presented as like um 
sort of a uh, a documentary kind of thing or a behind the music. Like there's there's interviews with the cast twenty years in the future um, about the events that took place in the sixties and seventies for for this band's like rise of stardom and and eventual collapse and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's really good. I'm in, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Taylor Jenkins Reid's good good author. I read another one of her books this last week and. Planning on reading uh, a couple more probably over the course of the year. But uh, Daisy Jones and the Six on Amazon Prime is the recommend for me this week. Nice. All right, boys. It's been fun. Thanks for being here, Shane. Thanks for pinch hitting for uh, for Richard. Hopefully his suspension will get lifted. Our lawyers are working on it around <laughs> the clock. You have powerful lawyers because he keeps coming back. <laughs> yeah, they can't keep us down. They can't keep us down. Um Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, awesome. Uh, tell a friend, okay? Leave us a review on iTunes or whatever that's called now, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. cetera. Um, and then if you want more, I can't imagine that you do. But if you do, somehow, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Uh, head over there, hit that site, subscribe. For five bucks a month, you get access to... Uh, another another episode every single week we do a throwback episode retrospective episodes sometimes bonus episodes i think kent and i are going to knock out a an episode on the last of us at some point in the next week or two um so be on the lookout for that but yeah five bucks a month you get access to just i don't know hundreds of episodes now at this point in the back catalog hundreds as well as our exclusive vip discord um the vip throwback episode this week is eight men out which is a baseball movie because baseball is just about to come back. We always like to do a little baseball action here um, this time of year. So go do that. Madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP and subscribe. Next week we'll be here on the, the main feed talking about John Wick 4. I cannot wait. Yeah. Until then, stay safe and we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. 